Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Glad you're all here today. I'm excited to be with you. Hopefully, you're excited to be near the person you're sitting next to. So if you turn to someone, say, hey, I'm, I'm glad to be here with you today. Just uh, say that real quick. If you don't know them, <laughs> awkward, so it doesn't matter. Say it anyway. Glad you're here this morning. And if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take them and turn to Hebrews chapter 2 as we continue a series uh, that we've called Binder Series. And what today we want to talk about are the caution signs in our journey of faith that God gives us. And anytime God gives us a caution sign, it's never because He hates us. It's always because He loves us and wants us to be near Him and transformed into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And that's where we're going to kind of take off this morning. I don't know how many of you have, well, most of you have driven or you drive or you've been to a place. And I, I was struck by the fact that uh, VBS this year is uh, CW National Parks. And I love the work our VBS team does, by the way. Would you thank all of those who've worked so hard just to get ready for tonight and their launch? Man, they have done such a good job. If you haven't seen it, we've got funny stories about it, but if you haven't seen it, all throughout the church, it's been decorated just to kind of set the climate for our kids to have an incredible encounter this week. And we're going to believe that with our heart that Je Jesus is going to do some really powerful things in people's lives this week. But if you think about national parks, you've ever been to a national park, they always have all these little warning signs, right? Probably for because there's somebody who, who, who went the opposite direction and did some silly things. But like they'll say, a caution uh, here's a, a dangerous precipice, don't get near the edge, caution, a road under maintenance or a road that is not maintained, be cautious, you, you might be in a bad place. Um, when we were out in one, I saw a sign uh, that said, uh, caution, buffalo are uh, uh, unpredictable. <laughs> Stay in your vehicle at all times. And I wanted to say, hey, caution outside of our church. Church people can be unpredictable, that kind of a thing, you know. Uh, but, you know, they, they do that so that people don't kind of get themselves in trouble. In fact, for Vacation Bible School tonight, they put a little public service announcement together. And, and I thought maybe you'd all like to see it. It's a caution sign for VBS. Never feed the wild animals in the parks. What you feed them isn't good for them, and feeding them might not be good for you. This is Ben Squeakity Squibbits with Squirrel Scout Tim and Junior Chipmunk Cody. That's what our VBS is like. I just wanted to highlight that. Hey, thank the team that puts all that stuff together. That was Pastor Tim. 
Pastor Tim's kind of the guy all week, and it's this idea. In fact, they could have had me there doing it. That'd been even better. I could have growled at him. That would have been fun. Caution. Got to be cautious in your spiritual journey. Now, when we get into the book of Hebrews, the author to the book of Hebrews, when I discovered years ago who it was being written to, it completely changed the way that I read the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is written to second generation Jewish Christians. Let me define that. Second generation Jewish Christians, first of all, they were Jewish in their faith. In other words, their lineage. Their parents all came from a, a Jewish background. These were not Gentile believers. These were people whose lineage was of the Jewish faith and the Jewish people. And so they were Jews by birth. They were Christians in that they were believers in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, but they were second generation believers. Meaning what? They had not witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews was written somewhere between 60, 62 AD and around 70, 72 AD. This is now 30 to 40 years past or removed from the cross. Their parents had either witnessed the resurrected Jesus or they knew someone who could give first-hand account that Jesus Christ was who He said. They had first-hand testimony. Now, they are in another generation and they are hearing second-hand testimony to who Jesus really is. And they were beginning to fade. In fact, it's a great lesson for us because some of you are first-generation Christians. You, you're the first ones in your family that are followers of Christ. Whether you're young or old, doesn't really matter. You're the first ones. Or it's been a number of generations since you've had any Christians in your family. Some of you have a lineage of Christianity. Your parents are Christians. Your grandparents are Christians. It's almost like you were birthed into Christianity. And here's the challenge. Oftentimes for individuals who are your parents and you've always been surrounded by Christianity, it is very easy to begin to mistake your parents' faith or your grandparents' faith for your faith. Every generation has to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Every generation needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. In fact, as the old saying goes, there are no grandchildren in the kingdom. We are all children of God all of us need to have an encounter. What happens in churches is churches spend their time talking about a previous generation's experience. Every generation needs an experience and needs the moving of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us needs that. And what had happened is they were kind of living off the faith of their forefathers and they were beginning to slide back to Judaism, the Jewish faith, because in the Jewish faith you had some rules you followed. You could kind of see what was expected of you and it wasn't this whole by faith relationship. And so the author to the book of Hebrews warns them over and over again, don't do that. Don't turn back. Don't go back to that. Don't do it. Stay on the journey that God has you on. And there are three caution signs, if you will, that he begins to outline for these believers. And I think they are good caution signs for us in our journey as well. Now the first one is found in chapter 2, verse 1. 
And he outlines it very simply. He has identified Jesus as being the Son of God. He has identified in chapter 1 that Jesus is deity, that he is the the radiance of the Father, and he identifies that. Then he says this, We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Caution number one, spiritual drifting and it's interesting because that word drifting in the greek it means to literally means to go with the flow there's a flow that develops there's a current that develops and it literally means that you are just going with the current or going with the flow and the problem is spiritually speaking the flow is not usually determined by believers the flow is often determined by culture and drifting I'm not gonna say never but I'm gonna say rarely does drifting ever result in you growing closer to Christ drifting almost always results in distancing yourself from where you really want to be Now, there are a couple of contributing factors to that. The first one is a made-up word, but it goes along with what's said in this passage. It is a lack of attentionality. Attentionality. I made up the word. I don't think it's a real word. But you are no longer giving attention. You just didn't know. You're not paying attention. In fact, he says in this passage, therefore, we must pay more careful attention. And what happens oftentimes is we just aren't, we're not paying attention. And if you don't pay attention, you very quickly can get into trouble. I, uh, I, I can give you so many stories of this, but a great one is just recently, we were up north for some vacation time, and we like to take a pontoon back into a little area, and I like to fish into this one little cubby, and you get back in there, and what's interesting is with the current, you are constantly drifting into shore. And if you're not paying attention, very quickly you are either on high and dry ground or you're in the weeds and you kind of get stuck in that area and you've got to get yourself out. And so you try to, you try to fish. It's kind of an interesting maneuver. You fish and you have the, the boat is in gear, the boat is in neutral and you keep the engine running and then you just simply fish as fast as you can and then as it starts to drift in again, you just simply put it back into gear so you can pull back out again and it's this whole idea if you're not paying attention you're going to be in a place you don't want to be and the author just says hey listen if you don't pay attention drifting is going to get you into some trouble and that trouble may be more than just some weeds spiritually you can get into some pretty perilous areas if you're not paying attention now the second contributing factor is a lack of intentionality which just means you're not being intentional. You're simply allowing the flow to determine the direction of your faith and by virtue of not being progressive and working intentionally in your faith, you're drifting into areas that can be very serious. And what's interesting is that oftentimes they're not necessarily bad things but it creates a flow in our life, and that flow drifts. I think we all know this. Culture has a flow. There is a culture today, specifically in the United States, but around the world, there is a culture. 
And it is very clear that there is a culture that is trying to basically diminish any role that a sovereign God would have in anything. In fact, it was interesting. I was talking to somebody this morning that came up after the message. We were chatting a little bit about it. And I just simply said this. When you remove the possibility of there being a God who is active in our life every day, when you remove that as a possibility, all other kinds of foolishness becomes a possibility. You've got to come up with some kind of an answer when God can't be the answer. And so culture determines a, a, a kind of a flow, and we've got to learn how to kind of push against that flow. Um, but sometimes flow develops from our workplace. Like if you're a business owner, you know exactly. If you're a small business owner, you probably think about work just about every day. You have to, and that's just the nature of being an individual or a small business owner. Or maybe you're very active in your business climate, and so it has to, it's developed a pattern in your life where your life is consumed by this flow that is created by business. And if you're not intentional about it, you will find that you can go long periods of time without ever giving any kind of attention to your walk with Christ. Vacation creates a flow. I will tell you, vacation does not generally create a good flow in my life spiritually. It is too easy for me to get out of my normal patterns. I am a very pattern guy. I, am a, I try to be consistent in things. And it is so interesting, the more time I have, the harder time I have being intentional in my, my time with the Lord. And so I have to make that almost by plan a part of my vacation. Families create a flow. In fact, many families, and this is not an indictment, it's an understanding, this happens. Parents, some, have developed a flow in the life of your family that you are involved in so many things. You're involved in every hobby, every entertainment, every sporting event, every... You have such a flow in your life that your kids have bought into this flow and there's almost no opportunity to give attention to spiritual journey. And so he just says, you've you got to pay more careful attention. You have to be intentional about this. Or else you'll find yourself drifting and you'll almost never drift to where you want to be, but rather where you don't want to be. Number two. The second one that he mentions actually comes in chapter 6, verse 12. It starts in chapter 5, verse 11. But here's what he says in chapter 6, verse 12. He says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what is promised. Now, the second caution sign on the journey of faith is spiritual laziness or spiritual apathy, you could put those two together. And it's interesting because he uses that specific phrase, but it actually, he kind of begins the discussion in chapter 5, verse 11, because he says things like this. We have much to say about this. Now, what does he have much to say about? He is teaching about the deeper things of God, and he is talking about how we are able to come right before the throne of grace through Jesus Christ, our high priest, and he is really getting into it as he talks about that we have an intercessor in the person of Jesus Christ in our faith every day. And he says we have much more to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow 
to learn. The phrase can be translated, you are dull of hearing. He is not saying they're, they're dumb. This has nothing to do with intellect. This has everything to do with your hearing and applying and your regression in the Lord. In fact, he says this, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. He says you've become slow of hearing, you've been dull of hearing, you're lacking spiritual progression. In fact, what's happening is you're actually uh, spiritually regressing because now you're having to be taught the same thing over and over again. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I can think of a number of times where because I haven't used it, I've lost it. Um, a great example of this is uh, I don't change the brakes on my vehicle very often. I got to tell you, man, when I first got out on our own and we just couldn't afford to have somebody else changing our brakes, I dug into my engine uh, so many times and worked on my car so many times. And unfortunately, I usually made things worse. Uh, more than once, I have called from underneath a car and tried to figure out how I could get this car to a mechanic now that it was all torn apart. It's happened to me more than once. But I used to be pretty good. I, got, I had a point there. I mean, I was changing brakes all the time on stuff and kids just had a car. I could change brakes really quickly. But you know what? I, I, you know when I change the brakes now? I got to get on YouTube. It's like I forgot how to do it. There are things that if you don't use it, you kind of lose it. It's interesting spiritually. He says there's actually a regression that has taken place in your spiritual walk because you're not exercising your faith. You become dull of hearing. You don't even realize it. Um, I was at a, an estate sale the other day to do ministry. That's why I was there. Um, I felt drawn of the Lord. I was driving down the road, and all of a sudden, I saw a sign from God. It said estate sale. And so I turned in. I'm sure it was of the Lord. And so I went in there. Anyway, so I'm just popping around. And uh, you do start to, after a while, you kind of know the same people who go to these things. This guy didn't know. But I was standing in the, in the garage, and I was looking through stuff. And I made a comment to this other guy. Man, this place, this is so packed. You almost have to go through it a couple of times to see everything. And he didn't even acknowledge my existence. And then he turned around, and he said, I'm sorry, were you talking to me? He said, I'm he pointed to his ears and he had hearing aids and he said I can't I don't have very good hearing I, I don't hear well and he began to kind of tell me the story of how he lost his hearing and uh, he said I've got 10% in this ear with hearing aid I've got 50% uh, in this ear with hearing aid and so we kept talking but every time I spoke to him I made sure that he could see me and I made sure that I was kind of enunciating and so we kind of chatted a little bit and talked about different things and such and it's interesting because I told him I've got actually some hearing I my left ear I have hearing loss about 10 years ago I was at the doctor I don't know why they did a hearing test they did 
and uh, discovered that I got hearing loss in my left ear. My wife had known it for 30 years. I just discovered it uh, 10 years ago. But you'll notice that when I speak to you or if I'm in a crowd, I will almost always do this. It's because I'm trying to get my right ear closer to you so that I can kind of hear. Plus, being mildly ADHD doesn't help. And so crowds just distract me. And so I try to do this a lot. I was sharing this a little bit with one of the gals in our church, and she's, she's a teacher, was a teacher, and she said, you know, I have hearing loss too, and here's how I found out that I had hearing loss. We were giving the children in the class a hearing test, and we instructed the kids to raise their hands when the, the, the sounds would go, and she said, I corrected the kids because they raised their hand, and I told them, no, 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 don't raise your hand until the sound goes off, and the person giving the test said, uh, the sound was going off, and that's how she discovered. You know what's interesting? You don't even realize sometimes the subtlety of regression. By the way, he says the cure for that is spiritual exercise. Notice he says, he says, you, you, I'm ready to take you on to the deeper things of God. And he says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. He uses the word gymnasium or gymnastics, and he says that the only way that you grow deeper in the faith is actually by testing yourself, by trying yourself on deeper things, by chewing the solid food. You're never going to just relax your way deeper in your faith. And I'll be honest, I read this and I don't like what it says. Um, Some of you who've been around Colonial Woods for a while will know that about eight years ago, I I went on a physical journey and I, I, I felt like I got in pretty good shape. I'll be honest, I'm starting to hate the Facebook memories because I see pictures of myself having just run a 5K and, and I'm, I'm, you know, is for me as thin as this guy's probably going to be. And I actually did really well until about six years ago. I did it publicly, so it kind of hold me accountable. And man, a couple years ago, I just started indulging a little bit. Eating a little more than I probably needed to at the wrong times of day. And it was kind of like, you know, I deserve this. It probably was pacifying some stress. But I was still working out, and so I was able to kind of keep the boulder from sliding off the edge of the, the cliff. But man, last year, let me just tell you, I am so proud of you, the people who lost 20, 30, 40 pounds last year during the whole shutdown. I found it. It was, it was there. I, I, did, I didn't go to the gym. I'm one of those guys who likes to go to the gym. I, I, that's my routine. I, I struggle being, frankly, disciplined enough to go outside next. I, just don't, I did run a few weeks ago for the first time. The mosquitoes were so bad, I had to run to stay away from them. I'm like, hey, I just ran a half mile. That's pretty good. And, uh, but that's the only reason, man. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. And I, Tammy and I, about a month and a half ago, decided... And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this thing. We started hitting the keto thing, and and I told her I said I don't want to work out. I'm gonna lose weight without working out. I'm not gonna do it. I don't like working out. I don't feel like working out. But I'm just gonna I'm gonna eat the right stuff. And I'm and I've been eating the exact right stuff. And I've lost a little weight. And I feel better. But you know what? Without exercise, it just doesn't work for me. 
And in our spiritual journey, our spiritual faith, I think sometimes we think, if I just eat right, if I read the right stuff, if I get the right books, listen to the right preachers, and have the right people speaking in my life, that's all it's going to take. No, 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 no. Who by constant use have trained themselves. This is all about stretching. And like it or not, nobody is responsible for our spiritual journey except us. God holds us accountable. It's our responsibility to grow. Others can help us, but we all have the responsibility. He says, hey, you got to be watched. you got to watch. Because it's so easy to drift. It's so easy to get lazy. Let me give you the third one. In fact, it's the most serious one. In fact, it's so serious, he mentions it three times in the course of about a chapter. It says in verse 12 in chapter 3, See to it, brothers, <clears throat> that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now, I want to tell you, I don't care what your theology is, that is a serious statement. That word turn away is the word apostenai. It means that you are facing one direction and you turn another direction. He says, see to it, none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And as you go down through that passage three times, he says the same thing. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart today. If you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. I'm going to make a little liberty here. Today, when you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. And it's spiritual hardness. It's coming to a point where I become calloused when God is speaking to me. And we can do that for several reasons. One of them is, and guys especially are really good at this, we compartmentalize parts of our life. And ladies, this is one of those areas you really want guys to be better than you at. Women can do this. Men are excellent at it. We compartmentalize our lives. And we so brick and segregate our life that we can actually live with a whole different set of ethics and standards in one area and in another area live completely different and not feel like we are being hypocritical. In my business dealings, I might be an individual who thinks honesty and integrity are absolutely of the most importance. My word is my bond. My promise is my word. And then over here in another area of my life, be living completely separate from that. And somehow the two don't even touch. And when you compartmentalize your life with that, you tend to get lives that are incongruent. They don't match up. And we can become hard. Because the Spirit of God is trying to get our attention. God is speaking through His Word, speaking through others, speaking, and we just simply resist that. And any time you ignore stuff for a period of time, it always creates a hardness. Now, the other reason that sometimes we can, we can develop spiritual hardness is, is not just simply that we categorize, we cauterize. We cauterize our conscience. We, we, we sear our conscience. We, uh, Paul calls it a searing of our conscience of faith. And he says, 
Listen to his voice. Generally, it's interesting. You're saying, well, wait, this is for people who are denying God. This is for, no, 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 what's interesting, let me tell you how subtly it begins. You can have a dynamic relationship with the Lord and you begin to lack a little bit of attention or intention. You become a little bit lazy, but it's okay. You've got so much under the belt, you can just kind of coast. And the Lord speaks to you about something that is, it's maybe not even a sin issue. Like, for example, the Holy Spirit prompts you, you see a guy at the counter or a lady at the counter at McDonald's, which I don't go to because they don't do keto, but you know what I'm saying. He says, I want you to pick up their bill. And it could be as simple as you saying, ah, that, that's not the Lord. I don't want to embarrass myself or them. Or maybe... Maybe there's a person that you have said some wrong things to with the wrong spirit and the Holy Spirit says you need to go apologize to that person. And it is so, it's so easy to justify not doing it because they were in the wrong too. Or maybe you're in a place of authority and you don't want to diminish your authority position. And so we justify simply not doing what the Spirit of God has invited us and wants us to do. And you know what I've learned? I've learned that in those little moments when the Lord is prompting us to be obedient, it's almost His way of saying, just checking, just want to make sure you're still willing to be obedient. And you know that if you say no once, it becomes very easy to say no twice. And then it becomes a pattern of your life to where it takes something really big before you'd even listen. And then when he does speak on some of the bigger things, you're so past listening to him, you don't even hear him. Caution. Caution. This isn't, this isn't because God's mad. He's wooing them. Caution drifts. Caution. Don't, don't be lazy. Caution. Hear me. In fact, it's interesting. The Lord throughout the book of Hebrews gives three strong, spiritually refreshing things for us as believers to keep in our life, and we don't have time to get into them too deep. It's okay. We, maybe we'll do it some other time, but let me just give them to you very quickly because he says this is how you stay sensitive. Number one, just keep locked in on Jesus. Chapter 12, verse 1, he says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, let us keep our hearts locked in on Jesus. He said, in your emotions, in your heart, in your thought life, uh, let us fix our thoughts on Jesus, he says. 
He says, listen, just keep Jesus as the pattern of your life. Keep reflecting on who he is. Keep celebrating who he is. Keep honoring who he is. You know, one of the things I love about Pastor Ryan, and I actually give him a hard time about this. We joke about it. But if you ever want to know what the theme of a worship service is going to be, I'm going to just tell you, if I had to take a guess, and I could probably bet money on it and make some money, it's going to be Jesus. At the very heartbeat of how Pastor Ryan wants to lead a worship service, it's always about Jesus. Loves the gospel. Loves Jesus. And, and you know what I told him? I said, I feel like I'm talking about you in front of you, but I am. I said, you know what? If you're going to, if you're going to, zone in on one thing that's a pretty good thing number two all throughout the book of hebrews it's to develop accountability where you have other people in your life who can either encourage you because sometimes we need people to say hey you can do it you can do it and then sometimes he says you need people who will spur you which is from the other direction and the posterior, right? He's going to prod you a little. And then he says, don't, don't, do not uh, forsake the assembling together as some are in the habit of doing. He says, just being together in koinonia, in relationship and fellowship, all of that has a way of encouraging you in the faith. I love what Pastor Todd and Katie are doing in our youth group right now because a, a significant amount of their time is spent just allowing youth to hang out, just be together. There is something so edifying about seeing our peer group following Jesus and being together and just love being together. Well, hey, mom and dad, that's not bad for our lives either. And then number three, I love this. Nurture a sensitivity to the Spirit's voice. I was reading this a couple days ago. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did during the rebellion. I stopped and I just focused on the first part. Today, if you hear His voice. Today, if you hear His voice. I promise you the voice of God is constantly speaking. The Spirit of God is constantly wooing if we will pay attention and listen. In a verse that is said out of Psalm 90 verse 2, the Spirit of God was speaking to some of you in the lyrics of a song Spirit of God was wooing and speaking in a prayer time given the Spirit of God was wooing and speaking in the hallway when someone said a word to you the Spirit of God is wooing or speaking in the sermon today something was said where the Spirit of God is wooing or speaking and when we are sensitive enough to be obedient to Him he just keeps on speaking and speaking. It's one of the greatest ways to keep spiritually refreshed. So the question, what's the Lord speaking to you today about? Maybe He's just speaking to you and saying, just want you to know I'm speaking. 
Stay flexible. Stay intentional. And keep listening. Lord, I thank You so much that You love us so much that You're not willing to allow us to to walk off a cliff. You love us. And when You speak to us, it is never because You hate us or because You're mad at us. It's because You love us and You want us to be conformed into the image of Your Son. And this never even struck me until the very end of the message in the first hour. But, but this morning, I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing it for anyone else. I'm just doing this for you. But you feel like the Spirit of God is speaking to you this morning. And all you want to do out of obedience is to say, Lord, I want you to know I hear you and I am listening. And heads can be bowed and eyes can be closed. But just out of obedience, you're going to take a simple step. Just raise your hand and say, Lord, I just want to acknowledge I'm listening for you today. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It's good. It's amazing how obedience just starts with something simple. And one step of obedience gives way to another step and another step. Anyone else? I don't want to shut you down. Yeah, it's great. This, again, this isn't for me. It's for you. I've already, I've already had my, my altar time with the Lord on this one. Anyone else? Thanks, Lord. Would you reward and affirm a small step of obedience? And now, Lord, just keep on speaking. Keep on honing. Keep on directing. We give you permission in Jesus' name. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.